Welcome to Interlinked, a podcast initiative of the Center for New Economic Studies at the OP Jindal Global University. Interlinked aims to break down conversations in the social, economic, political, and institutional spaces by looking at the arising, unanswered, and even the ambiguously answered questions from an intersectional lens. I am Tanya Rana, a research assistant at the center and a graduate student of public policy. Our conversation today is about the center's exciting series of uh, fieldwork, which were carried out in the summer of 2021 on the lives and livelihoods of domestic workers in India. The team gathered evidence from 250 domestic workers across five cities in India and came out with two now publicly uh, available and accessible studies assessing the impact of the pandemic and contextualizing the intra-household dynamics of uh, decision-making of these workers. Today, we are joined by three team members of the study, uh, Richa Sikhani, who is a re senior research analyst at CNES and uh, also a research associate at the Indian Council for Research in International Economic Relations, or ICRIA, and Advaita Singh and Vanshika Mittal, who are uh, senior research analysts with CNES and students at Ashoka University. Very excited to have this conversation uh, about these uh, studies, findings, and your experience as field researchers. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Um, so let's just uh, dive right in. I will uh, ask my uh, first question uh, to you know broadly set out the context for our listeners about these studies. Um, so you know how should we understand the situation of domestic workers in India? And very briefly. Um, how may the pandemic have exacerbated uh, the conditions of individuals employed in this form of work? And what did the team really hope to find when they came up with the research questions uh, for the study? Uh, thank you, Tanya, for, for the question. So, uh, you know, domestic workers uh, in India and also uh, across the globe is, is one of the most uh, vulnerable groups of uh, in, in informal employment. And, uh, you know, it has been categorized by Ministry of Labor and Employment. The way it has been categorized is that uh, we have part-time workers who, who work for, you know, more than uh, more employers for, for specified number of time and perform either specific or, or you know, multiple tasks. Then, then we have full-time workers who are employed uh, by a single employer. And uh, they, they work for a specified number of hours and then they return back to their home after they are done with their errands. Then, then so both these part-time and, and full-time workers are also, uh, you know, clubbed as live-out workers. And then the third category is, is of the live-in worker and uh, they are uh, the ones who stay in the premise of the employer and who return back to their uh, home, you know, during maybe once in a year or so. And, you know, traditionally it is uh, considered as the domain of female members of the society. And, and over the period, you know, it, uh, the domestic workers has started to generate employment for, you know, a lot of rural migrants, uh, which is specifically, uh, you know, women. And, and the pandemic has has a uh, lot of repercussions and and it uh, uh, you know created havocs in 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 their lives so you know most of the female domestic workers experienced uh, you know extreme shocks in their income which led to rise in their in poverty and and hunger uh, they there was reduction in wages there, uh, there were issues of uh, you know uh, cases of non payment of salaries 
or uh, which uh, there were case for joblessness even they face you know lot of uh, uh, difficulties in in paying their rent uh, and you know in in most of the household setting where where they they rely on these uh, on on their income to support consumption and children education so th- that that also you know had uh, tremendously got impacted and hit uh in fact you know in in several uh, of the residential welfare associations they were prone to you know lot of uh, uh issues where where you know they were discouraged to even you know use lift because they were uh, considered as a carrier of virus so they were not allowed to enter into the society even they wanted to do work um and and you know there were incidents of workers Uh, who, who were not receiving vaccine because of the various concerns including you know their safety and obviously they lack digital uh, literacy and therefore they cannot couldn't even access you know covin portal so uh, these were like you know some major issues that that we came across while we were doing you know our studies and um, you know what we when we approached this study what we thought was that you know lot were ha- was written about you know migrant workers lot was written about daily wage workers who are mostly the uh, who sees the employment from the male section of the society so we really want to get into a space where we wanted to highlight what the issues that the women who are employed in the informal sector face and uh, you know uh, one of the major employer category was that of the domestic worker so you know when we were designing the question and also we were we were very clear that we wanted to understand the impact on their lives and livelihood and uh, you know not much to our surprise i think pandemic had had you know lot of impact and given that, that uh, these workers categories are not secured they had to uh, majorly face the brunt of the pandemic so uh, yeah i think i think this is what we you know gathered i mean broadly this is what we uh, our, our findings of the study were thanks thanks richa for setting out that uh, you know broader overview of why you went into the field to um, address these uh, questions so uh, you know according to the periodic uh, labor force survey of 2019 um, there are around 4.8 million domestic workers in india so what are the factors that influence the demand and supply for domestic work in markets such as india's and um, why do you think that despite this demand domestic work continues to be in the informal segment especially given that you know the apex government ministry the ministry of uh, labor and employment recognizes the challenges that um, uh, workers might face in the setting of uh, work oh i'll take that up tanya Uh, so uh, essentially to understand the demand and supply forces i think we need to really look closely as to who is it that is demanding and who is it that is supplying this domestic work uh you know if we were to talk about the supply side uh, so not only is domestic paid domestic work uh, largely informal but it is also dominated by females so this comes uh, as an extension of the patriarchal you know society that sort of assigns care work to women and uh, as for the demand uh, the demand supply interestingly in india is actually fueled more by caste and class differences 
So um, Advaita, we'll be talking about this more in detail, like the dynamics about how this plays out. But essentially, uh, both demand and supply for domestic work is very high here in India. And uh, that uh, does sort of play a role in stigmatization of domestic workers, because like you mentioned that despite this high demand, uh, the, the sector is very informal. So I think where, what we need to look at is just where you know, the, sort of the, the space where domestic workers perform their functions, it's a household. So if you look at the theory of structural liberalism, it separates the public from the private. And uh, there's a purview as to just uh, the distinct spheres where the government can actually interfere, where, you know, laws or the legal can be made, can be interfered into the sort of um, economic relations or the market relations that are being set up. And when institutions such as households are employing these domestic workers, it's too personal for of like it's too personal to the employers, you know, for this place to be regulated or, you know, legalized. And uh, as Richa had mentioned, you know, earlier that even within the informal economy, domestic workers are actually one of the most vulnerable group. So that that actually comes from the fact that they're highly invisibilized. So there are many schemes that might generally apply to informal workers as a whole, but domestic workers are not able to avail those. For example, uh, the minimum wage rate, social security benefits, or even the essential category that was created in the lockdown to al allow for uh, certain income stability. And, uh, you know, we see like how invisible they are that uh, so at the moment, uh, their wage rates or salaries are uh, largely decided by the local uh, forces of uh, demand and supply. Uh, and uh, it was very ironic because uh, the Tamil Nadu state government had actually attempted to, you know, sort of uh, put in a minimum wage cap to domestic work and say that uh, this is, uh, you know, as per the, one of the rights for domestic workers in the state. But they actually ended up only undervaluing the work. And uh, the minimum wage rate that they'd set up for domestic work was much lesser than the wage rate that the market forces was sort of allowing them. So I think it, uh, you know, ra rather than pointing at the informality of the economy uh, of the sector, we really need to, need to see just how stigmatized and vulnerable and inv invisibilized they are. Um. I, I also want to add one point is that that you know in the uh, in the question that that you mentioned that you know despite like you know given that the Ministry of Labor and Employment is categorizing domestic worker and still you know they they continue to be in the informal segment is is you know is because uh, they are not formally registered now this 4.8 million also is something uh, you you know a number that that could be an underestimate of of what uh how much the domestic workers in india probably or how much uh you know this this uh informal segment employs uh or provide employment to these workers so i think th this is uh the i think also one of the reasons that that you know uh, they they continue to be part of the informal sector i i mean there are various way where you can define informal segment or an informal sector but in in this particular space or in or for especially female domestic workers what we see and also this is true for for say street vendors also where we don't know what the actual numbers are 
so uh, and therefore they are largely they, they become part of the informal sector because we we don't know how how many are are there so we have like you know some formal numbers but uh, they, these these informal sector as a whole employ a huge number of people and why we don't know the exact picture of it is because we there is absence of a formal registration system and and during the pandemic we also find that because of the uh, you know absence of these registration system the female domestic workers could not also access to you know some of the government reliefs that that probably uh, you know was was offered during the pandemic thank you thank you vanshika and richa um it's it's really uh, confounding why uh, this segment uh, of work and and workers continue to remain an underestimate and i think largely that has to do with the fact that you know as you mentioned vanshika um, uh, the stigmatization of of this form of work and invisibilization of this form of work in fact i also think that this has larger repercussions on on uh, you know a certain um, uh political dialogues we've been having more recently in this year about um, wages for housework um so so how do we really see them as against this uh sector of paid domestic work is also an interesting question that that is not really something that we are concerning with ourselves in this conversation but something that we can definitely look at um in 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 our future conversations and we should be having these Okay so um my next question um really has two parts um so i want to understand um how is this market really segment segmented in terms of uh, social grouping of gender um and caste and uh, you know other demographics of education marital status etc um and the second part to this question is how do these overlapping identities or characteristics bargain at the household level so can you contextualize um, you know these two questions in terms of your studies uh, methodology right so that's a great question actually tanya um to answer your first part of the question it is clear that this space is dominated by women this is because historically women have been assigned caregiving roles in our society i think talcott parsons first set forth a nuclear family model in which men were breadwinners and women were homemakers so it made sense that if women were to break this binary and enter the labor force they would continue to bear the care work responsibilities of our society and if you note domestic work itself has very low skill and educational requirements and given the lack of these qualificational barriers to the sector it has emerged as a focal point of employment for socially disadvantaged groups so the women that we have surveyed belong to low income families and have had very little education if i'm not wrong around 115 respondents of the total 250 that we surveyed did not go to school at all so with such few qualifications there are limited avenues of employment for the uh, these women and it makes sense that they go into a sector which they're not just familiar with but is also socially acceptable which is domestic work in terms of marital status most of the women in the sector are married or widowed while there are younger women uh, who are unmarried and mostly we found them in katni and are working in this industry it's more common to see married women in this sector and this makes sense because married women have larger households to cater for so with larger families and more dependents including children and the elderly it becomes imperative for women to contribute to the financial pool of the household because we're talking about a low income household where 
it's not possible for just one breadwinner to sustain the financial needs of the family. It is necessary to have as many working members as possible contributing to the household income. Coming to the second part of your question, you're absolutely right. The respondents that we have under consideration don't just belong to a gender minority, but also to caste and class-based minorities, which is why it is important to adapt an intersectional approach. The overlap of caste, class, and gender have compounded the discrimination faced by female domestic workers as these various axes interact to amplify, amplify inequalities. And while it is hard to quantify the impact of these inequalities in terms of wages, because the sector has mostly informal bargaining, these inequalities are more evident in terms of the way this group is treated. So at the household level, we do note that in certain areas, these women don't have a lot of say in decision making. But it is surprising that they do uh, come across as key decision makers in areas like expenditure or children's education. So one interesting finding from our study was that these women have been the strong uh, propagators of young girl child education in their households. So maybe it is their own identity that is, you know, suggesting that they push forward for their own children's education. They want their girls to do better than they did. They want them to have the opportunities that they did not have. So the identity is perhaps contributing to the kinds of decisions that they're making. But it's hard to draw that causal inference, of course. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Advaita. Um, so, you know, now I, I want to uh, just talk about the main findings of your study and uh, how do you think it can inform policy in terms of, you know, determining wage rates uh, for this kind of work, designing of schemes going forward and uh, also, uh, you know, the role of unions. Okay, so, uh, you know, I, I have briefly mentioned and even Vanshika Dweta mentioned that, you know, what, what were the main findings, but I'll just reiterate my point that, you know, we looked at how pandemic impacted their lives and livelihood. So we looked at how their incomes were impacted, how employment were impacted. So we looked at three, you know, phased in, in three phase, pre-pandemic, during, during pandemic and, you know, post-pandemic uh, where, where there were certain... Uh, relaxation of of the rules and you know relaxation of the lockdown rules so we we phased out our study in and our questions were designed in a manner that we uh, you know collect information based on 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 these three phases uh, so we we saw that you know as as uh, compared to the pre pandemic time where where say uh, on an average if even domestic workers were uh, getting say 9,000 uh, could make like 9,000 a month, the the income declined to say 3,000 or, or in certain cases, they, they didn't receive any income at all. And post pandemic, while there was, uh, you know, rise in, in the income, but it didn't, uh, you know, return back to the pre pandemic level. So this was like one part of our, our question. The other thing that we wanted to examine also was how their consumptions and how their expenditure were impacted. So, uh, you know, in in terms of meals consumption, which is like, you know, in, in because they consume like three or, or four times the meal, we saw that they, they had to compromise because, you know, they were there, they didn't have enough income to support their day, day to day consumption. So they had to 
a compromise on the number of meals they would eat so if they would eat four they, they the number of meals that they would consume in a day drop to two or a, or three uh, then we also saw expenditure so despite these women who wanted their children to you know attain education what we saw was that immediate implication was that on the education expenditure and this there was two reasons obviously you know it, it uh, despite falling it in the priority list uh, there were other you know day to day needs that needed to be taken care of uh, as compared to the education and therefore education the expenditure on education declined but the other thing was because you know they lack uh, digital uh, access you know mobile phones or or internet access or you know most of the children were employed in the government school so uh, and and there was uh, you know in in terms of the supply from the school there was uh, you know a less means to attain education so that is where we saw there was drastic fall in 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 the uh, uh, education expenditure uh, obviously we saw that you know because of pandemic there was increase in in the health expenditure while while we also examined expenditure on you know rent food so all those uh, during the pandemic saw a decline they had to continue to pay their rent uh, in certain cases you know landlord did say that you know you may probably uh, pay the rent once you have money but in most of the cases they had to bear the rent even if their income were not at par so these were like you know main main findings of this study now what we uh, how does it inform the policy makers is that what we find is that domestic workers in india is is very very poorly regulated and you know is is often unprotected unpro- uh, by labor legislation of course we do have like you know one one social security act which is unorganized worker social security act but because of the informality in the contract and and you know even even the female domestic workers are not very much aware about the social security provisions that that probably uh, the, this act offers uh you know they they happen to face lot of exploitations so there is as vanshik was mentioning you know the the minimum wage rate or or you know the lack of schemes or lack of unions is is the problem that that this domestic workers especially face and what is extremely important is that you know we we need to involve uh, multiple stakeholders to address this uh, situation uh, there has to be effort from central government there has to be effort from you know local state agencies uh, voluntary organizations labor welfare activists so in, in during pandemic also we saw that you know uh, in few states especially like you know west bengal and you know pune uh, uh, you know there were certain campaigns that were organized to support the right of these labor and and you know provide them certain social security or health care or food and rations but and and also there was uh, you know relief package that was announced by government but you know these these schemes or these uh, you know efforts are very temporary in nature now had there been no in the absence of pandemic i don't think uh, you know the the there was any 
dedicated focus that was made to protect the right or to off of these workers so we we really need to have a detailed structural plan you know made where where you know we can actually save the life and livelihood of of this marginalized community and and this of course you know need both short term and the long term uh, you know thinking uh, so you know for instance in in, in short term measures for social protection of domestic workers we can we can include certain mechanism and of course we did see few of the things uh, during pandemic where there was cash and you know kind transfers that were made but this has to be a regular effort i mean I, i'm sure like during pandemic these women receive few uh, you know uh, help from from the local authorities or the state government or the central government but we we really need to see if this effort is continuing because uh, you know still this is a sector which supposed tomorrow if pandemic happens again i i don't know if they would continue to even support what they have been supporting yet because you know they had they they had also taken lo loans during pandemic to support some of their expenditures so uh, are are we ready or are these segment of the workers actually ready if if you know we have another pandemic uh, uh, and god forbid it, it 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 doesn't happen but but are are these workers really prepared so we have to think through lot of lot of things and you know lot of policy thinking needs to be there and i think lastly i think uh, you know uh, the legislative framework for regulation of work and and you know social security of domestic workers should should needs to come into force at the earliest to you know also facilitate the collective bargaining of the workers for their right uh so in the absence of minimum wage and what we also found during pandemic was because you know in some of the smaller cities where where we conducted our survey especially say jhansi or uh, you know what we found was that women didn't have much uh, you know bargaining power in terms of to bargain with with their employers so they they would if if they would uh, charge say say 1000 rupees Uh, from their employer and if there is other women who is available uh, to work uh, for say 800 rupees then of course the, the the bargaining power that that lies with this women domestic workers is extremely uh, less and because there is lot of demand uh, and and there is of course supply of the labor so so uh, what we also found that that in some of the uh, you know informed cities such as pune Uh, or or uh, bhopal and and advait and vanshika you can correct me if if my uh, if uh, the the states that i am listing is is not correct uh, is that they were they were more informed and they can exercise their bargaining rights and if, in 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 cities like pune they, there is you know uh, unions and and uh, agencies that take care of the rights of of this women but but that's not the case in some of the very you know tier 2 or tier 3 city where where these these workers uh, doesn't even know um, you know where to go if they face any sort of uh, you know issues or challenges so i think these are like major points that i wanted to highlight to the questions that that you added and uh, advaita vanshika if you have to add anything to to this please do Yeah, just I completely agree with what you said. There is a strong need for better collective bargaining, 
because there is a skew in the market there is an excess supply of workers and given the lack of demand that they experienced during the pandemic it has suppressed wages and while the pandemic did contribute to low wages it is a fact that wages have been stagnant in this industry for quite some time and we noticed that at the max there was a 50 rupee revision of wages every year and so in the more optimistic case uh, mostly there was absolutely no revision of income so while there is definitely a need for policy as rich and vakshika have highlighted it's unlikely that any uh, piece of legislation will come about in the next few months so what i do see is a strong case for unionization so in cities like bhopal there was this uh, qualitatively this uh, finding emerged where there was a system of rates which that every work has some associated wage associated uh, associated to it and let's say that you know your sweeping was worth rupees 700 and so it was very rare that a worker would accept a, a contract for a wage lower than that but this is still a very informal setup and there's a strong case for making a formalized union where domestic workers can come together and agree upon a wage which will improve their outcome as a whole yeah i want to just uh, follow directly from advaita's uh, point advaita hope i'm not cutting you no yeah, yeah please go ahead vanchika okay um right so um, i think just with regards to there being absolutely no revision of income you know for domestic workers what uh, we actually noticed was that while microfinance is uh, you know popular in terms of um, allowing for bar- like borrowing to domestic workers and there are like other you know channels of informal borrowing there's actually not much uh, and enough focus on saving which is why i like richa mentioned that you know if another pandemic was to strike in or if another you know lockdown was to strike in we don't know if this sector of uh, can just sustain themselves so i think if there could be uh, some focus you know which would have to obviously directly come from the fact that they have stable and you know uh, inflation adjusted incomes in the first place right um, thank you very much everybody for that uh, you know very detailed um, um overview overview so i mean going forward uh, what we do take is that uh, you know the um, campaigns and and the measures to sustain these um efforts of uh, you know protecting rights of these workers they 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 must persist it should not just phase out after a uh, pandemic so you know coming to my last question uh, for all of you um what kind of challenges did you face as researchers uh, you know carrying out the study uh, during covid-19 and um, what have been your learnings your takeaways um, experiences while uh, undertaking this exercise agata vanshika do you want to uh, because um, you had like you know first had the experience on on conducting some of the interviews so why don't you go ahead and i'll add add my points okay i can start so um, i think um, through the study like our main research question was to sort of you know understand uh, uh, the the change so we were looking at a very time and point analysis where we had uh, 
the pre-lockdown, uh, so pre-COVID entirely time, then we had like the lockdown and we had the now, which was basically, uh, you know, going ahead with the assumption that uh, the, the economy is reopened and uh, the, the domestic workers are back working. But, uh, you know, because uh, throughout uh, the last two years, there have been several, uh, there have been like several local and district-wise uh, mobility restrictions which have been placed. So it was uh, slightly difficult to, uh, you know, like point, uh, it was slightly difficult to sort of just come across uh, domestic workers who had, you know, full-fledgedly begun working. You know, many were still waiting to hear back from the households and many uh, just had like very uh, invariate uh, manners of working depending largely because of more like district-wise mobility restrictions and i think um, the second uh, wave uh, that was like a lot more lethal and you know serious in terms of uh, the death rate was like uh, it, it sort of delayed and caused a major lag in you know domestic workers resuming work because even the households that they were to go to for work you know had just uh, had had such a tough time in the last like the months of you know march april may 2021 that uh, this in there was like big slag and i think the, the doing this time and point analysis became a little difficult in that sense uh just to add on to vanchika um there were definitely major challenges in collecting the data and one thing that we tried to, you know, keep in mind while approaching the study was that we're not just trying to capture the data points, but also the narratives. And that's one thing that we all fell back on, which was that while the data might have been changing rapidly for something con considered like vaccination data, what would have still remained more permanent was the experience and the narrative that was emerging from our interviews and our conversations um, to hear the stories and to collect that qualitative data about what living through this pandemic has been like for a completely different uh, social group was very enriching. And I think it was it became the center point of our study because it opened us to the fact that we have to approach this from a gendered lens, from a caste-based lens, from an economic lens, and how those lenses must interact to fully bring out the experience that these workers have been through. Um, another key takeaway being that um, this entire study has been possible only for the because of the cooperation that these workers have, uh, you know, given us in our interviews and our exercise. Because to trust strangers during a pandemic when uh, it's advised not to be speaking and meeting with new people was quite a feat. Um, but it also shows how there is a desperate need for them to come out of their invisibilization, and that there are very few researchers and media houses who are currently trying to capture the narrative and that they would just want to get their voices heard and get their stories out there. So the need to study this segment further is one that has emerged as a key takeaway for me. I, th I think adding to what Advaita is saying and, and you know, uh, what was interesting was also when, when we were the intent of the study. So when we were trying to explain these domestic workers that, you know, what our intention was the immediate question I think the, the, the workers ask is that, uh, you know, hume kya benefit milega? like, you know, is, is, is center or the state government is doing to do something for us. Uh, so, you know, what is the benefit or why are you asking that question to, so actually to get through to them and, you know, to establish that trust, 
uh, I think it took little uh, time and it took us little back and forth to visit that that same person or same responded may more than once. And and in our team uh, of of you know five uh, uh, researchers who went on field to do the survey. So one of them was uh, you know uh, male and and you know interestingly like you know when when he goes and asks certain question there was more uh, issues of trust that you know female domestic workers pointed out as or, or we at, at least happen in initial few conversations so it took him a little while to you know get through to these women domestic respondent as compared to the uh, female researchers who went on field so that that also shows that you know the sort of comfort and discomfort these these women have so i i think there was lot on the a uh, lot of trust issues in terms of who is approaching to ask them the question and what is the intention or what are we going to do with with this uh, uh, report or this study so there were apprehensions that that were there uh, and logistically obviously it was challenging because you know uh, the way we designed our study or the choice of state was uh, dependent on where the researchers are residing so had it not been a non pandemic maybe it, we would have targeted certain cities but but you know uh, because there was pandemic and because uh, you know uh, we we can do so much of the research uh, during that that lockdown because you know it, it was it was also one of the it was also the phase where second wave had hit uh, the country we could only afford to uh, you know conduct study in the states where you know uh, probably advaita was one of them and vanshika was there shivani was there and jignesh so you know we we thought of logistical convenience while while we were conducting this study so we really wanted to avoid any telephonic and also telephonic conversation wouldn't have been possible because you know we, we, given that there is no set registration system or there is no phone number that is available even with the you know say agency or or any sort of a non profit organization that that we also sort of approached so that we can get access to more domestic workers for our interviews so we we really had to rely on on face to face interview and and wherever and whichever area we could we could get access to we we conducted this study Thank you so much for that uh, really in-depth uh, overview of your uh, research, and um, I would urge our listeners to look at these uh, two very interesting papers that have uh, come out of this, uh, you know, very uh, uh, hard work put out by the team members during the pandemic. Um, and thank you so much, Richa, Advaita, and Banshika, for taking out the time and engaging with us today. Uh, this was a delight. Thank you. Thanks, Tanya. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you, Tanya.